Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, MMA Fighting Rankings Podcast. That's right. If it seems like we're coming at you uh, pretty early compared to the last show, uh, it's true. It's only been three weeks since we recorded our last uh, podcast for the rankings. The cycle has been short. I think we kind of have a short cycle again coming up, just three UFC shows in between, some one as well, some Bellator. So there'll be a lot more to talk about uh, on the next show. But uh, we have plenty to talk about on this show as well. Uh, even though there's only three really, really big events, uh, the one that just passed, UFC 281, gave us a hell of a shakeup uh, in the rankings. Before I get to that, let me introduce the esteemed panel of MMA fighting uh, rankings voters that are joining me today. Uh, first up, Mr. Damon Martin. Say hello, Damon. Hello. I'm ready. Uh, I, I missed the I missed the last rankings podcast, so I feel like I have a lot of a lot of fire to spit right now. I should have said the returning Damon Martin, uh, much like the returning Dominic Reyes, to hopefully uh, he'll have a much better Ooh. day oh, than Damon. We'll geez. get to that later. But is that too soon? Wow. Is that Rough. too soon? Rough. Uh, a man who is here to, uh, he's he, primarily, I mean, he's here for a variety of reasons, his expertise, his brilliance, his good looks, uh, which I'm sorry you guys cannot appreciate on the podcast network, but uh, also to to uh, pre- 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 present a side and a pound for pound discussion we will have uh, the great Stephen Morocco. Um, thank you for that intro. Also, I will not fight any of you. I just want to let you know I'm not here to fight. I'm here to ask questions merely. Uh, yes, people might know, might realize. Oh, that, I'm uh, just asking questions. I love that. Stuff. Just okay. asking questions well, here. That, listen, I was going to give him a second, but that was the voice, of course, of the <laughs> the fight, the fighter himself, uh, the man with the spiciest of spicy takes, Jed Mishu. I'm so excited to hear the questions that Steven has for us because, you know, <laughs> nobody's ever started a fight by just asking questions. So uh, I actually was... don't even think we can fight this. this no, week. no, I, I hope not. The last like four months have just ruined our rankings <laughs> and, and our friendships a little bit. I'll be honest with you. 
Uh, but listen, uh, uh, regular listeners may have noticed that one Mr. Shaheen Al Shadi is not with us. He's a he's on a little break right now. He's taking some daddy time. So uh, everyone, please wish uh, wish Shaheen some you know uh, good luck in uh, in the adventures of parenthood. But he's he's the pot stirrer between the two of us. You know, Shaheen and I normally host the show together. He's the pot stirrer. I try to bring things together. So hopefully, this will be a show of positivity. But looking at the schedule I've I've kind of put up for the show, I may have created too many opportunities for conflict or like just downer conversations. I don't know. Hopefully not. Before we get to our discussions, let's just talk about some of the biggest moves that happened in this ranking cycle, which was from, I think I wrote this down somewhere, October 23rd to November 12th. There's a couple of UFC shows in there. And of course, UFC 2, uh, Fight Nights, I should say. And of course, UFC 281. So uh, one of our, our biggest movers, uh, Amanda Lamoche, moved up four spots after beating the beleaguered uh, Marina Rodriguez, who just, you know, could not, cannot get a title shot to save her life. And it was only a matter of time, I think, until she ran to a another contender and and lost a uh, big win for Lamoche. So she enters the top five spot that Marina Rodriguez had been holding on to for some time. 23-year-old Aaron Blanchfield completely annihilating. I don't know if that's harsh to say. Uh, Molly no, McCann, no. a lot of people predicted this. I was in this camp of like... I think Molly's going to give her a tougher fight than than expected. Uh, she did not. Uh, she did not. It was one-sided uh, submission win for Aaron Blanchfield. She moves up three spots. She's in the top 10, guys. 23 years old, she's in the top 10. Uh, at light heavyweight, we had some moves. Ryan Spann going from not ranked to 12th, bumping Dominic Reyes from the 10th spot to out of the rankings entirely. Dominic Reyes is now a far. If he had been holding on to that spot despite not competing for over 550 days, he is now no longer ranked. And uh, oh, uh, something else also happened at 281 in the main events. Not sure if you guys saw Alex Pereira. I still cannot believe this happened, even though it was a possibility um, that we had all entertained. Beats Israel Adesanya in the fifth round via TKO, again beating him by knockout uh, in the later rounds of a fight. He uh, moves up to the number one spot, of course, from number seven, all the way from number seven at middleweight. And on our pound for pound chart, not ranked at all, to number seven. So jumps from number seven to number one at middleweight and jumps from unranked to number seven at pound for pound and knocking Izzy down to, I believe, uh, the eighth spot, one behind him. So that's kind of crazy. Izzy was number two. Uh, Before we get to the discussion. He's like the fourth dude in the last four months. I know on the exact same. Uh, any, any, you guys have any comments? Any of that movement? Do you think anyone moved too much? Moved too high? Didn't move enough? No, honestly, AK. When when you kind of run through it at all, feels right. I get you know maybe you could quibble a little here or there, but it's it, it's insane. I had Israel Dissonia as the number two pound for pound fighter in the world behind Islam Makachev, and I will transparently say that some of that is me just standing my boy after he won the belt, right? Uh, but it would kind of be insane to put Pajera as the number two pound-for-pound pound fighter because he wins one fight. Like, that's... He has two really relevant wins. It would be nuts. So, but at the same time, you can't discount beating Izzy and all the things Izzy did. So, him settling in around seven kind of feels okay. And it's it's just been a really, really crazy end of this year because... Izzy's had this. Leon Edwards, we had the same discussion about him a couple of months ago. <laughs> Islam Magachev, very similar as well, skyrocketing up despite not being much of a presence. Like, we're seeing a lot of this, and it's hard. 
to feel, even if I maybe disagree with some of the stuff that's happened over, you know, this cycle, it's hard to feel really confident that any of this is like wrong or right. Or it's just like, who the hell knows? It's been a wacky year, man. Yeah, we're going to have to get into a little today, a little. So this is our first major topic here uh, for you listeners keeping track at home. We're going to have to get into a little bit of a broader discussion of like, what does pound for pound mean? We don't have to have an answer because if people check uh, on the site, the pound for pound rankings article is already up. Uh, that went up Monday. Uh, we don't really we set some criteria as far as rules go, like, but not what we don't say what our panelists should necessarily do, what they should think when deciding you know how pound for pound is that it's it's very complicated so we'll we'll have to get into that today but just to show how weird you said like jed it kind of feels right that Pereira ended up at seven but like when i phrase it this way it's going to sound really wrong here's some of the names that he is now he jumped over demetrius johnson patricio pitbull max holloway yeri Prohachka, and he's directly one spot above charles Oliveira. so according to our list our expert list we are saying pound for pound right now, Alex Pereira is not a better, but his more successful and accomplished fighter at this moment, at this moment, than those some of those names. I don't know. Damon, what did, what did we do here? I mean, there's no right or wrong answer here, to be honest. I mean, pound for pound is ultimately a subjective list. And, you know, some people say it's, you know, if pound for pound means like how, you know, who is the most skilled, talented fighter in the world based on if there were no weight classes. Other people like myself believe it's based on, you know, wins and accomplishments. And the weird thing when you look at Alex Pereira is that he isn't as accomplished as a lot of those names you just mentioned, but he does have the one definitive win over Israel Adesanya. And you can't ignore that. Israel is and has been one of the most dominant champions in the UFC, five-time defending champion, top five, whatever it was, top three, pound for pound, uh, may have been number one at one point. Um, you beat that guy and you beat him definitively. You knock him out. You finish him in the fifth round. You can't not put him higher. Now, you know, I didn't put him. I think I put him in my list. I think I did have him at seven. And then, uh, you know, I think is where I settled at because it's hard, right? Like you, I can't put him over more established champions. Even Leon Edwards, you can say, oh yeah, well, Leon Edwards has the one win over Kamara, but at least he had like a 10 fight win streak in the UFC. You could argue all day about the level of competition, but he had a legitimate 10 fight win streak in the UFC. Same thing with Makachev, 10 fight, 11 fight win streak. That still matters. Even if it's not against the top three guys in the world, it still matters. And then you go out there and just assassinate Charles Oliveira. You jump pretty high in those rankings. Same thing with Pereira. Like he doesn't, but the thing with Pereira, as I said, like he doesn't have that overall resume. So he has that one big win, and not a lot else. So it's kind of like you can't put him in the top five, but you can't ignore the win over Adesanya. David, I'm glad you brought up Makachev and Edwards because we talked about on a previous episode. People were so mad about Leon Edwards. I believe the there was phrases thrown out on social media directed at us, excusing the words, uh, idiot, <laughs> uh, uh, like sort of, uh, you know, uh, casuals, clown show. I saw a clown emoji used pretty aggressively. In response to our uh, to our comments, but that is again, shocking. <laughs> it, it's listen. I'm I, I should have a language and content warning, but but it, it's I, I understand. I understand why people sort of feel strongly about this. And of course, you know the ones who are upset about it are kind of asking, "How can Leon Edwards?" I mean, Damon, you kind of explained guys like Leon Islam at least have like huge long winning streaks. They've beaten other UFC competition nine, ten wins in a row. 
they have a body of work, a very strong UFC body of work. Uh, Paredes isn't bad either. I mean, when you look at it, uh, Bruno Silva, I consider to be a top 25, I would say, middleweight. Sean Strickland was top 15, was ranked in the top 15, I think top 10, and now he knocks off the champ. So it's uh, it's quality, maybe not the quantity that people are looking for. Um, but again, with Edwards, a lot of people are saying, he, how can he go above Usman? We were just saying Usman's the, you know, the number one, number one, number two, number three, pound for pound guy. Look at all the champions he's beaten. Now Edwards just just beats him and and that's it uh you know so wouldn't it be fair to still keep edwards behind usman or in this case keep Pereira behind adesanya now steven i like i mentioned before i brought you on you and one of our other panelists uh have kept Pereira below adesanya so what is the what is the the thinking there as far as um <laughs> not, not just putting him over for, for just because the one win sure um I think it's because I'm still smarting from our uh, Jose Aldo, Damn They Were Good podcast recording, <laughs> um, in which I felt a, a really high degree of vitriol uh, about my choice about my choice to put Jose in the pound for pound, you know, his place basically um, in the pantheon of, of, fat, of featherweights. And the 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 vitriol came from, at least as I understood it, came from the fact that if you look at his ent- entire resume and what he's done, you quickly come to the conclusion that he was the best ever um, at 145. So I said at the time that I thought that he couldn't, that was debatable given his losses, but it made me think about how I look at pound for pound and it made me think that history should be an important factor in this whole conversation. It shouldn't just be a current list, a list of, you know, who a current list of wins and losses, the same as it is in the divisional uh, divisional rankings, but it should take into account the strength of the schedule in the career. And for me, I just, I don't see that, Pahara just has that strength of schedule. I mean, I, I don't think that's that's debatable that he just he doesn't have the resume yet um to overcome in, in my mind, he, he doesn't have the resume to overcome uh Israel. And 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 listening to Damon, it, it strikes me that this is the issue with people in the same division on the same list that may have fought each other and may have wins and losses over each other because in the in the divisional list, I would say there is no way that um, Israel Adesanya can be above Alex Pajera anymore. But on the pound for pound list, I would say there's a very good argument for that, because if you look at what uh, Adesanya's done, and that's you know, I think it was five title defenses, six title mm-hmm. defenses. He'll he'll, um, he'll say six if you conclude the interim uh, unification bout. Sure. Sort of that he well, he six. also says he was defending those shots by staring at the ground with his hands down. So <laughs> maybe we can't quite take him at his word for some of this. Oh, spicy, spicy takes. <laughs> um. Anyways, that's that was my thinking. What do you, do, do, Jed, do you Jed? Does that Jed? Does that work for you? I did see uh, I Jed. I saw you nodding. That. Yeah. I yeah. I I think that that's an entirely reasonable way to approach it. Um. And honestly, maybe a better one, because. This was something I really struggled, not this iteration, because at this point I already sort of just have, I'm just sort of going on on past precedent. But when this first happened with Leon, 
that was a thing that I was really trying to weigh out because some of it with Leon was we probably should have had him. I probably should have had him ranked beforehand because yes. of the resume, the strength schedule. Right. And I had him, if I had him in pound for pound, it was like 20. It was very low. And so then it was just trying to reconcile that and, you know, to peel the curtain back a little bit, we're under kind of a time crunch uh, for getting some of these updates in. And so mm-hmm. I didn't like have a lifetime to sit there and parse which way I would rather handle this because I also didn't spend time proactively thinking, well, what if Leon wins? It was like, well, Leon's not going to win, so I don't have to worry about this. I'll just keep slotting Usman in, and then Leon kicks him in the face. And so I think Steven's approach is arguably better. Uh, it it feels a little more kind of what, what you're going for, because my view on pound for pound has largely been, I want... I would like it to be a snapshot of who the best fighters in the world are at that time based on accomplishment. And the divisional rankings can sort themselves out much simpler. Like Steven was alluding to like who beat who it's, it's pretty clear who gets the top spot, et cetera. And then I, I take some leeway there and I recognize no one else does and that's okay. I do want pound for pound in my head to just be like, man, if you went back in time and talked to somebody and were like, Hey, who are the best fighters in the world right now in 2022? Volkanovski is going to be one of the first three names mentioned, you know, uh, Israel Adesanya would have been one of the first three names mentioned until the header loss. And that's sort of the general guiding principle. And so I think that's reasonable. It might be better. Like I, I just ultimately went with putting Leon over Usman. And then once I did that, then it was, I'm going to put Islam over Oliveira. And then it was like, well, now I'm going to do this one. And it, it's sort of just built on itself. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. Like it might be super well, wrong. It, I, I it's fully just tough admit, for me to know. I fully admit that uh, I kind of fall into that, like the 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 danger of like when one guy beats another guy, I feel like he needs to be ranked ahead of him. That I I fully I fully admit because I do the divisional rankings that way, and I kind of fall into that pattern for pound for pound as well because it's so difficult when you have such a definitive win. When Makachev goes out there and just steamrolls Charles Oliveira and chokes him on the second round, that's that is Makachev's biggest win by a by a mile, and it doesn't negate that Charles Oliveira, you know, took out Dustin Poirier, took out Michael Chandler, took out Justin Gaethje. So you know, in theory, Charles Oliveira has the better overall resume over the last couple of years, but Islam Makachev is a monster, and he went out there and steamrolled him in two inside two rounds. So it's kind of hard to ignore that. I kind of think, like, I I don't know, like, the way Steven's describing it, and he's not certainly not wrong, it's making me rethink things a little bit, but it's kind of like college football. Like, when Clemson got absolutely shellacked by Notre Dame, they dropped <laughs> they dropped quite a few spots in the rankings. But they Notre were frauds Dame, the whole time. They were, they were. But <laughs> Notre Dame didn't suddenly become the number four ranked team in the in the country, you know what I mean? Like, they were, yeah. they, got, they got back in the top mm-hmm. 25, but they were mm-hmm. not suddenly better. So it's... I guess that's kind of the approach I see you're taking, and I don't disagree with it. It's just hard when you got the eye test of the fights themselves because, yes, like, yes, Israel was up three rounds to one, but he still got knocked out. You can't ignore the knockout. It wasn't like it was a blowout. You know, it was a shutout. He was getting, you know, he was getting, you know, 30. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, you know, 10, eight rounds. And, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, a good performance, but not like this, you know, blowout. And then he got knocked out. And, and just like with Makachev choking out Oliveira or Edwards down three rounds to one and knocking out Usman, the end result is what matters most. And that, you know, it's hard to ignore that. So it's a, it's kind of a weird one. Like, there's no right or wrong answer here. Yeah. Steven, here's another, Steven, Steven, here's Steven, a, ahead, I'm yeah. dying to say this. Please. 
Here's another compli complicating factor. All title runs are not created equal. And you see a guy like Pajara come in because of stuff that totally didn't take place in the UFC. You see him have a much different path no, to the no, title. No, I heard Dana said, Dana said <laughs> that the UFC doesn't play those games. They're a very serious oh. organization. No free rides. Right. And <laughs> um, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, this is a commercial industry, you know, this is, this is sports entertainment here. So we are trying to, in a sense, I feel like measure apples to oranges in, in a way, because you have a guy like Islam whose style engenders a much longer road to the title against opposition that doesn't have the strength of schedule, that doesn't have the rankings, that doesn't have the cloud essentially, he needs to beat the, the the people that have that clout, have that title to get into uh, a better position in the pound for pound rank. It's not it's not exactly fair, is it? Because you know there's there's uh, there's 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 a bunch of different there, there's a couple different paths, and we may judge them based on those paths. Stephen, there was there was two mistakes there. Not only that you questioned the word of the great Dana White, but also that you used the word fair uh, when talking uh, about MMA. Fair. Next, you're going to say someone deserves something. Again, these are look, words. That I'm are, also saying sports honest. entertainment. You know, and that's yeah. Well, that, I'm, I'm no, no, that's accurate. That's accurate. You know, that is accurate. Well, that is the, what, the, what the MMA weird, is, and I hope people realize that. The really hard part about this also is because Pereira is such an is such a weird case because in in a way, yes. like you look at him. And like he may end up being Adesanya's boogeyman, like that may be his role in the sport. Like he may he may, he may end up being a dominant middleweight champion. We don't well, know. No, right? well, he, no, right? he, he might be right? middleweight boogeyman. Well, who, who well here's knows? what I'm saying. But like he may end up going out and just beating Adesanya again. Maybe even better. He may just have his number and he'll never. But maybe he doesn't beat Robert Whitaker. Maybe he doesn't beat Marvin Vittori. Maybe he doesn't beat Derek Brunson, a guy who can wrestle. And we saw him get taken <laughs> down and held down for a round by Israel Adesanya. Who's to say? Hamza Chimaev. I mean, he's talking about coming up. It may be a case where Pereira's got one of the, ends up with one of the weirdest title reigns because he may go out and starch Israel in the rematch and then lose to Marvin Vittori. And then you're saying, well, Marvin Vittori lost twice Israel, it's it's going to be a mess. I'm telling you, it could end up being great. Marvin Vittori, it could end up being a bigger mess. I'm just telling Jamie, you. You bring up an excellent point. I do want to table some of that for later. We will have a little bit more. We'll come back to Mr. Panetta later. Uh, but what, one thing you guys have all kind of made me think about is, especially it is so similar to the Usman Edwards thing because Usman again up three to one in the cards. Izzy was up three to one in the cards, getting knocked out in the fifth round, and just by people like. This is where uh, one of the one of the issues of pound for pound is, is how much do you weigh interpretation of result versus interpretation of performance? Because you can you can certainly like wins and losses as as um, Stephen kind of said like you know they're not all created equal. Reigns aren't all created equal. Quality opposition. So just by looking at like a, a Wikipedia entry or topology or sure dog your database of choice, you can kind of say oh this is how strong this person's uh, reign was and how big their wins were and that's fire you can do that. But if you watch again, if you watch the the Usman Edwards fight, if you watch the uh, Pereira Adesanya fight, like you you know like you could con really convince yourself like I think Usman is a better mixed martial artist, mixed martial artist than Leon Edwards. I think Israel Adesanya is a better mixed martial artist than uh, than Alex Pereira. I have I have if anything I almost have more evidence that they are better than the guy who beat them. But like Damon said, it's 25 minutes. That, that The knockout sequence counts just as much as the other 
the other, you know, 20, 22, 23 minutes before that. So it, it, this is this is where with pound for pound, there's just no definitive answer. It, it is impossible to say something. And uh, I, I'm not going to move on yet. I think I feel like you guys still have more to say, but I will bring up when Juliana Pena, I had to go back and look at this. When Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunes, uh, we did not all add a, same kind of thing. We did not all automatically put uh, Pena above Nunez on pound for pound. Though it actually, now that I'm looking at, it, I think it's almost the opposite. I think some of us, I don't know, I don't know how I justified this. Maybe because I'd seen Pena lose to other UFC opposition. I did not put Pena above uh, Nunez on pound for pound. This is incredible. So I'm now I'm, I don't know, I don't know what I'm stand stand for anymore. <laughs> stand I think, for nothing. I think there were some. I think there were some personal feelings involved with Juliana Pena. To be frank, it's a lot a easier. Lot it's a lot easier to be like, eh, I'm just not going to rank her very highly. We're all people, you know, and we tend to people tend to you know support people they like. Well, and, and some and of us, your biases bias not... sneak in there. Well, and it's also a man really who do. currently has Islam Makhachev as the best pound for pound fighter in the world. Right. It's, to to like, all other evidence you know just blinders on you look at uh, Pena, well. and Some again, gave Pena, the spot. we talk about the Pena thing like compared to Pereira Pereira is is three is four no in the UFC with two you know, three knockouts two definitive knockouts over top 10 guys Pena not to just continue knocking on her but the reality is is she had a she had a one fight win streak going into the into the Nunes fight and we've seen Pena get beat numerous times in the UFC and get tapped out you know, she got tapped out by Jermaine Durandami. She got tapped out by Valentina Shevchenko. And again, no shame in those losses. But I think that's what hangs so high over her versus Pereira, who, you know, doesn't have any blemishes yet. Like, he doesn't he can have be anything. Yeah. He can be anything. In our minds, in our minds, he can be, Jed, in our minds, he can, he can be a boat. Could be anything. Yeah. So it's, I feel like this is a good segue into how, how this works divisionally as well, because, for instance, with Reyes, he's a guy who had a very steep incline on the front end. And in my mind, you would give him a lot of credit for that. He would stick around longer than the average person, average fighter, um, had he not had that experience. Um, but at the same time, like so some people, like the third loss, he was gone right away. Whereas... I, as a general rule, I would tend to keep him around a little bit longer based on the strength of schedule. Yeah, and, and, and so that's another interesting that's another interesting thing when we think about like how this how all this stuff moves. The, you know, pound for pound is one thing, but divisionally, you know, it's 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 it seems a little bit more clear. You beat the guy, you 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 surpass him. But what happens when you start going down? Like what happens when you start losing or whatever? Does it shift immediately or do you factor in strength of schedule? Yeah, it, and that's a great point because as we said, I mean, look, uh, I said I said Israel Adesanya drops to eight from from two. Was he at two? Let me see there. Sorry, guys. He was, uh, where did we have him? Oh, that was the last month. I think he was number I, I two. think he was. I he was number he was two. two yes, because he was number Islam two. was number three. That's right. He was number two, falls to number eight. And yet, of course, in the divisional rankings, only falls to number two. He just falls one spot in his own divisional rankings. But pound for pound, just this this crazy plummet. Um, his 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 uh his resume does not protect him uh in pound for pound. At least again, not according to the way uh most of our I think six six of our eight panelists voted. So this has been a very screwed up year for pound for pound. I think that's Super fair to weird. say. Even again, even if you want to extend back to all the way back to Pena's win over, like pound for pound has it has always been 
volatile. I mean, there was that stretch where you had whatever, um, you know, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, Fedor Milinenko kind of like dominating and Jose Aldo was in there. And, and it, there was some stability. You, I just felt like you didn't have this kind of craziness happen. Um, but uh, that is certainly not the case now. And, and 281 gave us so much chaos. I will say, uh, any other final thoughts, gentlemen, before we move on? Because Stephen uh, kind of gave us a good segue, but go ahead, Jim. No, I just, I, I don't think that there's any wrong way to have done this. Uh, if I didn't think you might kill me if I were to entirely reconfigure my rankings another time. I was like, can you wait a month? Can you wait? Might, can, you, can you wait till 2023? Say, can say, you wait till 2023? I, I might factor that in as, as approaching here, but to Steven's point on the, on the divisional thing, I don't know if this is part of our segue in or not. It's just, I have always viewed the divisional as it, your accomplishments are great, but I, I do want to see you win. Like I don't, even if you're only losing to top five guys, you're also not beating anybody. And that I don't want to hold you. I don't want to let you coast on an accomplishment from three years ago. Cause that's, I, I cut Dominic Reyes before this fight. He was already out of my rankings. Uh, and it's, it was like, yeah, he hasn't won a fight since 2019. It's three years without a victory. It's hard for me to put somebody in three years without a victory. Cause I don't, I haven't seen them win. It doesn't matter if they fought, Alex Volkanovsky three times and couldn't, couldn't beat him like Max. Like it's, you got to get W somehow. And that's how I've always treated it. I don't say that that's like the only way to go about it. And you can kind of do however you want here, but I will say that it's, it's absolutely irresponsible not to have Francis Ngannou in your pound for pound rankings at all. And I just want to note that yet again hold on, for hold another on. month. This I'm is not, not an airing to, of grievances. I'm not picking the fight. I'm just saying this is Francis, not an airing of grievances. I'm just saying Francis Ngannou is our number four ranked pound for pound fighter, and it's very disrespectful to that man. And I'm not here for it. One of our panelists will just say, "Who is not? No, not one of us four. An unnamed panelist, a rogue panelist, you might say, refuses to rank anyone. I think 205 or higher. If I'm not mistaken, I believe no. That there's is. a 205 er in there. There's a 205 er in there. Is is it Yuri? Well, I guess. Well, it's 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 RDR. Oh, really? They have one two hundred five er. It's RDR, but RDR also competes. It also at, competes well, at. Well, no, he competes at one two twenty five and two hundred five. Let's not get into that discussion. Anyway, you guys, you and <laughs> Steven, you and Steven. No, guys, no, please, guys, please. We cannot no, get bogged this down. Is ridiculous. This. Let's call you him and, up right now. No, no, Steven, you and Jed have both given an excellent segue into the next uh, bit. I just want to say first that uh, the last thing about Pereira. As high as four on our panelist balance, really? as low as low as fifteen. So all over the place, all over the place, and landed right in the middle at at, at seven. So, man, yeah, as high as, as four. High as four. As high wow. as four. I had him seven personally, as high as four. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, but yes, we've mentioned Mr. Reyes. We've mentioned the, uh, you know, how it's a little bit easier to stick around in your division if you've built up a strong resume. Uh, and Dominic Reyes was, as I said, number 10 entering UFC 281 this past weekend. So people know the story about Dominic. We can go over it a little bit. And it's funny, Jed, you mentioned like his last win. The last time he beat a light heavyweight was Volkan Uzdemir that same year uh, uh, that he beat Chris Weidman, split decision. But his last win was against essentially a light heavyweight Chris Weidman, which never should have happened. Yeah, they're going to study Dominic Reyes' career <laughs> in like... Well, we're going to do it now. I think, I think we have to do it a little bit now. Of course, the fight with John... college classes. UFC 247, the fight with John Jones, super close fight. I have no problem if you scored for Jones. I scored for Reyes. Obviously, several people did. I called it a robbery. It's one of the few fights I've called a robbery over the last few years. Gets another shot at the UFC title, vacant this time with Jan Blachowicz. Do, just does not get the deal done. Jan is just a better fighter. Year for Hoshka, brutal spinning elbow. 560 days off, guys. Comes back at UFC 281. And maybe, the, I, I, not maybe, the most brutal, I think, of all three of, of all three of those knockout losses. Just completely has his lights turned out in 80 seconds by Ryan Spann. And, and this was enough for, uh, I don't want to say, I don't know if all of us or most of us to take him out of the rankings uh, I can't remember when I took him out this month or last month, but very, listen, a very strong resume coming up. Uh, OSP, Volkan's in there. And then again, the close fight with Jones, but he is gone now. Um, uh, first, before we get to this, the the next real topic, I just do you guys think that's fair? Do you think it's fair that we completely gave him the boot? Yeah, it's fair. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I booted yeah. him last time. It's, it's just one, I, even I, I will stipulate that I think Steven's approach is fine, saying that, you know, let's credit him for the rise. Absolutely. Sure. Do it. With the benefit of hindsight, and frankly, even at the time, we all sort of just look at Reyes's career very rose-colored because he should have beaten John Jones. He did not officially win that fight. And if and even at the time, him getting a title shot was not like Hell yeah, Dominic Reyes was like, well, he knocked out Chris Weidman, who's a middleweight, and he won a splitty over Volkan Uzdemir, who also also has a very weird career that's difficult yeah. to place if he's good or not. And then he beat Owen St. Prue, who was a good win at the time, certainly, and Jared Cannonier, who's a middleweight. Like it's it was a very weird run that even <laughs> got him there. And to me, looking back on it, certainly now, and even at the time, it's like, well. The only way this makes sense is if you are just in, implicitly saying he beat John Jones. And then then the argument of him holding a spot for a while, I can at least understand. 
Because based on in-cage performance, you know, based on the official results like you were pointing to, AK, he did not merit holding on as long as he did without getting some wins, even though his losses are to former champ, former champ, former champ, and now Ryan Spann. Like that's, I, I think it's totally fine to to boot him at this point because he, in the same way we kick people if they haven't fought in 18 months, I need a win within two years. Like I just have to have a win within two years. And that's my question. Should we have a new official criteria that you have to win within a certain time frame to stay in the rankings? Like, should it not only be activity, should it be no, I, wins as well? I, that's I'm okay. A, I, I'm actually okay with this, but I do want one no. counter stipulation to it. That cannot apply to women's Bantamweight because we cannot field <laughs> 15 women for that weight. It class. would be... <laughs> Down like to a top no, 10 I mean, chance we can no, find okay. I mean, that, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You can't, that's, that's, I mean, you well, can't, that's well put. Yeah, you can't <laughs> have it based on you can't you can't have it based on like just getting a win. But but I'll admit I 100 percent wore rose-colored glasses with Dominic Reyes coming off the John yep, Jones fight because same. I scored him winning that fight. I thought he won. Um I don't think he got screwed necessarily, but I thought he won. And when you go out there and even have that kind of a fight with the fighter I consider to be the greatest mixed martial artist in history, that counts for something. So that got him a pretty high ranking, um, and that kept him there. Now, what kept him there also beyond that was that, let's be honest, light heavyweight is pretty terrible. It's not a great division. It's not a deep division. So it's not like there were like a ton of guys banging on the door to take Dominic Reyes' spot, okay? I mean, it's not like this, this division is so in- incredibly deep that there's just all these guys who are clamoring for his number seven spot or whatever. He goes out and gets smoked by Jan Blahovich. Again, no shame in that. Wasn't really in that fight. Jan beat him pretty definitively, knocked him out in the second round. Okay. 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 It's the hangover from the Jones fight, the disappointment of that fight. Then he goes out and he actually has a great fight with Yuri Prohoshka. He was winning big parts of that fight. Had him mounted, had, you know, a, a knockdown, maybe a slight knockout. You know, Yuri woke back up again and, and ended up knocking him out. But again, when you to to quote the great Herb Edwards, who I heard on ESPN earlier say this, and I had to do a double take. When I listened to my eye test, and that's literally what he said, I listened to my eye test. Uh, <laughs> you know that fight wasn't bad. He didn't do a terrible job in that fight, but he ultimately still got knocked out. And then getting knocked cold by Ryan Spann after being out for you know five hundred some odd days. Um, at that point, you just can't you can't back up the spot because Ryan Spann wasn't ranked. He's now lost to an unranked fighter and got knocked cold in 80 seconds. That, to me, is the nail in the proverbial coffin for him. And that's why I dropped him completely out of my rankings. And, you know, considering how bad light heavyweight is, he could easily work his way back in there. But, you know, I mean, the reality is he got knocked cold by a guy who wasn't ranked in 80 seconds, a guy who got worked by Anthony Smith in his only other really big ranked fight. And, uh, and yeah, I just at that point, like I said, it's not just about who you're fighting and losing, but you're losing badly. You're getting knocked out by Blahovich. You're getting knocked out by Prohoshka. Now you got knocked out cold by Span, and time off. It all adds up to disaster for Dominic Reyes. Yeah, it's it's it was tough to watch. I, I, I we you know the main thing I want to get into here is, and it's hard to define. This, this is another thing that kind of needs criteria. Is where where does Dominic Reyes rank? If we're talking about sort of the here I am, the Prince of Positivity. It's such a downer topic. Some of the, <laughs> uh, you know, most brutal reversals of fortune, and I speak, and not a negative. I say negative reversals of fortune. We've certainly seen reversals of fortune go the other way. Michael Bisping might be like a great example of that. Um, but let's just say people who kind of 
I want to emphasize not just people who are champions. I, I think because obviously, you know, we could talk about BJ Penn all day. Uh, we could talk about um, Frankie Edgar, who just retired on another horrible knockout. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to look at people who kind of like got close specifically to a UFC title. Though, again, I, I, I'm you guys can volunteer whichever names you want. In my mind, I was thinking like more cases like Reyes, like guys who got close, uh, so, so, so close. And then may never get that close again and have fallen so far from even that level of prestige uh so damon go ahead if you want to go first i don't know if there's any names you think of that were that are a little more dramatic a little more harsh than what has happened to uh to mr dominic reyes this past couple years one name i pulled and this he wasn't super ranked i just think of like prospect a guy who had all the buzz around him in the world and then came crashing down in a hard hard way how many of you remember brandon thatch Brandon oh, Thatch. I, I, know. Oh. I thought you were going a whole yeah. different way, but yeah, I Brand- loved it. But also Brandon Thatch. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Brandon Thatch came in like a ball of fire. Two huge wins. He looked like he was the, he was a huge welterweight. Looked like he was going to be a monster, and he just got absolutely lambasted in his last four fights in the UFC before he got. I just remember because I was at his fight with I think it was Benson Henderson and uh, in Colorado, and everyone's like, "This is like this is his coronation. He's going to beat a former champion. And he's going to go out there and he's going to make waves." And he got beat, and he never won again. And I just always remember that label, like he was supposed to be the next big thing, and then it came crashing down around him in a hurry. Hmm. Yeah, that Benson Henderson loss was very revealing. But at the time, is this was Benson had already won. Like this is a welterweight fight, but Benson had already won the like he he had already won the lightweight title, right? He was just kind of going up to to do something right it was just to have take a fight yeah okay this is near the end yeah. of Benson's. It, he 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 was already had lost the lightweight title Brand- and was just spinning his wheels yeah. pretty much and all brandon thatch is like twice his th- three times his size i might say <laughs> if you'll go watch this fight he is enormous uh brandon compared to benson henderson and, and that was a very revealing loss i'll throw out one more example more recently please, of a guy, and i kind of, i kind of feel bad a little bit bad about this only because like he really this whole segment's like, gonna make everyone feel bad damon don't worry he about really it. like he was a guy years ago when he was in strike force i would said this is one of the most underrated guys in the world but honestly we got to be honest about this jorge masvidal i mean jorge mm-hmm. masvidal was always a quality decent you know fighter good fighter i don't oh. think he got enough respect but when you think about it, like he beat Darren Till, you know, good win. He starts Ben Askren, who let's be honest. I mean, come on now. Like I love Ben Askren. Everyone, you know, I, I think most people like Ben Askren. He's funny. He's an engaging dude. Um, but I mean, he was never, you know, he was never that dude when he got to the, by the time he got to the also UFC, he was ben not, probably wins that fight. Like seven out of 10 times. But by the time he got to the UFC, Ben was not that guy anymore. Like we missed out on prime Ben Askren because he was in Bellator at the time. Um, he beats Ben Askren and, you know, and he beats Nate Diaz again, like, you know, fun wins, you know, but then when you get up to the upper level, then you find out what happens and he gets just, you know, he gets beat by Usman on short notice. He gets starched by Usman in the rematch. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a guy like, it's like, it felt like he was destined to be a star, but not destined to be a champion. He kind of went reversal of fortune both ways though. He kind of went like, oh, well, this is, you know, jur- jur- Journeyman George, as uh, Colby Cummington lo- so poetically loves to say, they become this megastar. And then now I don't know if this guy ever beats a name opponent again. We'll see. Uh, Steven, what do you guys or any anyone that's really sticking in your in your craws, like someone that's like, oh, they they were so close. And then and now so, so, so far. Um, The, the one that stuck out to me. And I almost don't think it's fair because there wasn't a whole lot of that. Most of the body of work was outside the UFC, but Gilbert Melendez. Yep. Big one. Um, because he was 
kind of like the philosophical people doing pound for pound rankings and lightweight rankings in general because he was just doing so well out outside the UFC for so long and um kind of occupies like a similar position like today with like that Reiner de Ritter would or you know guys that are uh that that have done great work outside the UFC and almost are I think people feel obligated to put them in there given what they've done but he just he fell off a cliff um from from Jump Street that was actually another uh, a scorecard uh I think it was a split call mm-hmm. yeah it was a split call for Henderson uh Henderson the the scorecard's still still turning for him at that point in his career um and man he just fell off a cliff uh especially uh you know after 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 Diego Sanchez fight of the year candidate you know he just kind of fell off a cliff I, I see a lot of other flash in the pans, you know, Will Brooks is, is, is one that I thought of. Um, my favorite one ever, Sokaju, uh, blocks, knocks out big Nog <laughs> oh. or little Nog, I should say. And then just drops off of a cliff. And Arona. <laughs> Don't forget the Arona one. Annihilates so back them. Back to yeah. back, like, plus 3,000 under. Yeah. Dog yeah. I, I, I forgot about I forgot about one more, Stephen. I want to say this, because you're, you're old school. I'd be one that br- absolutely breaks my heart to say this. And I'm, I'm saying it. And I'm saying it with an apology because oh, he's one no. of my all-time favorite guys. <sighs> Mirko Krokop. Uh, man, yeah. I mean, he fell off a gigantic cliff when he got to the UFC. I mean, he just went. I mean, that was a precipitous drop from where I, th- I thought he was going to come in and just demolish UFC heavyweights. And then he got gonzaga and it never turned around for him again after that. Oh no, yeah. it did. Obviously, you didn't pay attention when he went back I mean, to Japan. Because well, yeah. is he on a he win did streak? Great things. Is he on a win streak? Career. Is he on a win streak right he's now? He's on a huge win streak. Right. I mean, he's he's, <laughs> he's retired because of medical issues. Yeah, but yeah. But he went out on the street. Not he went not out on top to, of the game. He went on top of the game, Jed. Not to say the quiet <laughs> part out loud, but when he left USADA testing, he went on a tremendous <laughs> win streak to uh-huh, end his right. career. Roy Nelson, uh, Mo Wall, he got Gonzaga back in the UFC. Had a great finish to his career. Speaking of USADA, Eric Silva. What about Eric Silva? Oh, Eric Silva's a great one in that. Remember when he was just like the (laughs) world beater? Everyone thought that he was like the next big guy, and then he just fucking fell off of a cliff. Yep. He also and killed like there's a, there's a lot of weird like missed opportunities on his resume. Like he never put together that dominant run. There's guys that he should have like destroyed. There's like a DQ loss in there, which shouldn't have been a DQ. There's like a weird DQ loss in there. Jed, uh, holy crap! I just go ahead, off. Jed. Okay, Jed, go ahead. I'm I, not have million, I, I have a million. I a million of these, but okay, I please. I don't want to stop you. Pro Cop is on a ten fight win streak as mm-hmm. of now, mm-hmm. the longest wow. of his MMA career. He never One... had he never had a ten fight win streak before this. He ended his yeah. career on I was the longest say, win streak of his career. One could argue this is his real peak, if <laughs> anything. So, Damon, I'm sorry, invalid, invalid selection. <laughs> he, he went out on the top, baby. <laughs> He's the reverse reversal of fortune, the positive kind. But uh, I love Stephen. I love the Gilbert Melendez shout. Absolutely, yeah. the to- I think top three. Oh, number uh, top three, top three in the list of names I have here. Oh. Because no, just because people, it's true. People really mm-hmm. don't know. The only thing that I would take him off is like he he won a major title with another promotion, yeah. but but there's definitely still like he was, you know, when all the Strike Force guys came over until we saw like you know Luke Rockhold and and a lot of them and uh, Ronda Rousey, people realized like oh crap, oh Jacare, like oh wow, these Strike Force guys are actually like really good and right on the level of of UFC guys. Uh, Gilbert was supposed to be part of that, 
And he just, and and again, one could argue he did. The Benson Henderson fight was so close. It is so, so such, it is such a close fight. And that's what makes it so similar to Reyes is you can, there's, you could easily in a case, Gilbert Melendez should have a UFC championship, you know, belt on his, on his shelf, just like Reyes should. And then that was it. The Diego Sanchez win and then just lost. Some of these losses are really brutal too. Just like one-sided, like he didn't, he wasn't getting knocked out, but like one-sided just wallopings. Uh, some of them were uncomfortably like one-sided near the end. And that, yeah, that, that the leg to kick me, one. What was the leg kick one? The, the that, just got just hobbled. Was that Barbosa? Yeah, I think so. I think that's Maybe. right. Maybe. Is it Barbosa? That sounds right. I feel like it happened more than once, I thought. Or was it Arnold? That's true because everyone, <laughs> as soon as people found out that his leg was yeah. vulnerable, yeah. they started kicking uh, it more. Just whack him. Well, that was the, was that the Jeremy Stevens fight when he got Jeremy Stevens? Maybe it was Jeremy Stevens. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremy yeah, Stevens yeah. leg kicked him, yeah, into oblivion. That's that's that one. Also, in the in the in the sad old school guys who never quite made it in the UFC, I'll bring up Takanori Gomi as another one that made me oh, sad because yeah. that guy was a world beater when he was in Pride, and then he came over to the UFC and just got absolutely starched. Uh, AK, you'll be surprised to know that I have a huge list, uh, considering I have a podcast, yeah. which is basically uh, this topic of conversation. I was going to say, I don't want to turn this into a damn, they were good. Uh, this is more of like a damn, uh, this, this is sad. For, for damn, damn, what a bad end to your career. Because we have some, I mean, listen, we, we have examples of guys who did win the title and then had precipitous falls. Cody Garbrandt is in the middle of the fall right now, we think. It's great. Johnny Hendricks, of course, <laughs> and two guys who, you know, their cases are a little bit, I would, I would not put them above Reyes because they at least made it to the top. They won the title. They were undisputed champions. Chris Weidman. Luke Chris Rockhold. Weidman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He won the title. He, he beat Anderson Silva. His high was so high. It's like, okay, it's, it hit the fall off is, is understand that ha- you stick around this game long enough. You're again, that's why I don't bring up BJ. His highs are so high. Okay, obviously we all know he's had. One I still, of the I, falls, I still but... throw out, I still throw out Rockhold. I'm sorry, even though he got, even though he became champion, his fall was incredible, crazy. Like he lost, everyone to, he just lost... figured out you could throw a left hook at him and he would. Crumble. He lost, he <laughs> lost, he, died. To, he lost the... to a guy he had absolutely demolished yeah. like a year earlier. He lost yeah. to, on ten days' notice. He lost to him, and then he never got back. Like and never came close. To it that broke his world. It was so crazy. It broke his world. Uh, so, but I'll go to more to guys that are not. What do you guys think about like uh, Gray Maynard? Did you put Gray Maynard on the list there? Oh, I don't that, remember Gray. The end of Gray's career, he did not. Not jump to, He did not jump to top of mind. But, but to me, the, he, he follows the Reyes uh, Melendez thing. Where like he was really close to being UFC champion. Couple well, times. yeah. I mean, Couple a different times. referee. Look, you can you find. <laughs> you can yeah. find two other dudes. In Reyes's weight class, who had this exact same I, thing, Gus Thiago Santos and Alexander and, Gustafson, and Gus, yeah, twice, both of three them, times, three times. <laughs> Gus, three times, was incredibly close to beating John Jones and incredibly close to finishing Cormier, and his career has been a travesty. Thiago Santos has won one fight since losing a fight. I still scored for him against John Jones. Frankly, he's like one in five. He's still ranked though. He's number fifty. Just for the record, he is number fifty. I, in the I know he, he is I still ranked. He held on to a spot. Good he's for still... you. Keep getting them checks, Thiago. <laughs> he's still holding. He's getting that bonus check from being in the MMA fighting uh, global rankings. Uh, but yeah, uh, Gustafsson definitely jumps to mind because but, uh, twice and, and, he came so close. Yeah, and his and fallout one... just came Why? so like so quick and so unexpectedly it was such a weird drop off and this one this one breaks my heart to say it and i i mean literally like of all the people i've mentioned this one actually does break my heart because okay, he's, one, he's one of my one of my favorite fighters of all time and a guy i've always loved 
Carlos Condit after the Lawler fight. Yeah. He never, I, I mean, he just, he, I at least years, understand that one. Though. The years like, caught that up to him at that point, though. It does, it does. But that one breaks my heart because I still thought he beat Robbie Lawler. And like, he did. that's one, that's one where he won. And it's like, that was his chance to become undisputed champion. And then it just never, the years caught up to him at that point. Like the damage caught up to him at that point. That one breaks my heart because like he, he, he came so close to beating GSP head kicked him in the third round of that fight, almost had him out, then loses and then comes back, loses a really controversial decision to Lawler and then just never got back there again. Uh, Thank God for interim titles though. I, I had to get some Canadian content in here. Uh, Mark Hominick. Now Mark Hominick was not yeah. close was not close to beating Jose Aldo, but he at least ended that fight like with the, you know, with people going like, I want to see Mark Hominick fight again. I think Mark Hominick can contend, you know, like he, he wasn't close. Again, he wasn't close to beating Aldo. It was like a four nothing washing up until the last round. And then he ends the round on top in Aldo's guard, kind of throwing some ground and pound and, you know, get a nice jump from the Toronto crowd. You know, you thought we will see more of Mark Hominick. Never want to fight again after that. Uh, gets knocked out in seven seconds by the Korean zombie in his next fight. Uh, the next fight loses a split decision to, I don't even say. You, you got, I was gonna say, Stephen. We Eddie all know. We all remember Eddie Yagen, of course. Uh, according yeah. to uh, topology, minus five twenty favorite. More common. Eddie. Wow. Whatever happened, Eddie, and then loses to Pablo Garza, and then that's it, and then retires. So, really had this nice, you know, five, five minutes of glory. UFC one twenty nine, and somehow it just, it just never won again. Uh, See it, again, that makes sense because Hominick had been around the block for a while. That was. Those it's are true. That make sense. This is true. This that is, is the clearly end. the peak of his career is going to be win or lose this fight, okay. and then everything after. Oh, one more. Like, the other people I have on my list, the the one that immediately jumped out to me was Mursad Bektic, because oh, yeah, that's, that's who I thought when but Damon how? when Damon previously was like Brandon Thatch, I was like, I remember watching Mursad Bektic fight and and thinking the same way I do about like Hamzad Shmai. I was like, if that dude doesn't hold the belt, I'll eat my hat. And then <laughs> Darren Elkins pulled off the comeback of the century against him and it broke the man. And it he's just him. like, he never was good again. He never was good again. Like and it just he did win. He, he did. did. Beat he did win. Carter Lamas. He, that's a good win. Had, you know, had his moment too. That's a good win. But uh, he also had some injury, huge injury problems. There's so many variables that go into this, but so I think that's a good example for a guy that looked like a world beater and dropped, you know, off of a cliff pretty just, quickly. Just fell off. Uh, I also this, put in Kovalkiewicz, Karolina Kovalkiewicz, yep. just because after Knocked the Iwana fight, even though she's currently on a win streak. <laughs> I was going to so, say, her story's not over. That's why I, I wrote her down, then deleted it. I said, I no, think, her story's I think not her over. Story's, I think her, her title story is over. No, but it's not Yeah, over. I mean, she's still... But the one that is the one that hurts me the most and is true uh, is... And maybe you can argue that we that we should have foreseen this, but uh, for the late great Norfumi Kid Yamamoto, just Kid was the man. Mm-hmm. He loved Kid. I loved Kid so much. And then when he finally comes to the UFC, even though he's coming in off of a bad fight with Joe Warren, it's still like, yeah, he's coming and he fights DJ and he never ever wins like he's just the end of his career was so sad because that dude was electric if you were watching him fight back in heroes and k1 uh yeah we did we did it we did a sort of a look back on him uh after he passed uh uh it was two mm-hmm. years ago now so hopefully people check that out special miss fist dedicated to kid yamamoto uh we got a lot of names i Dar- darren till's in the middle of it i think i think 
he was supposed to beat Tyron Woodley. He was favored. I believe he was favored going into that fight. I, I, I'll have to check, but I believe he was favored. I know I had certainly picked him. I was definitely overlooking Woodley big time. Loses that fight, has one win since the Calvin Gaslam win, split decision. So not and not a particularly like, like it was a good competitive fight, not a fight that anyone really talks about. Other than that, knocked up by Masvidal, uh, clear, uh, competitive decision loss to Whitaker, but I mean scored correctly, and uh, and a submission loss to uh, Derek Brunson in a fight that was not particularly competitive. So is 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 now the time for me to get on my hill of Darren Till's bad and has never been good. <laughs> well, Stephen mentioned this though. In injury, I would say injuries have also played a huge part. I mean, this guy can't even get in the cage. Yeah, anymore. it's like, a huge part. Just, yeah, it's yeah, a huge, huge problem to be injured and bad at fighting. It's very tough. To... <laughs> he is. He who's is he living. Beaten? Tell me who he's beaten. He's living he's, and dying. He's, he's living. Beat Kelvin Gaslam. He's living who? and dying on beating Cowboy Cerrone. Like that's the wonder boy. Wonder boy. He didn't win that fight. I know the judges three, gave it to Three him. judges said he did. At, at the time, we all agreed that that was nonsense. And yeah. being Cowboy, and I am probably a bigger Bohan Village fan than most people because I thought he had something at the time. <laughs> that ain't it, man. Like, that ain't it. <laughs> um, he, he has never beaten anybody good. He has never cleanly beaten anybody good. His, wow. his best wins are all controversial. Or their freaking cowboy man. All right, this is a whole other. Damon, I'm sorry. Did you want to chime in with something? I want to throw one more name out from you because when I look at his record, it didn't it didn't go as badly as I remember. But like a guy that I legitimately felt bad for at the time was Caro Parisian. Caro Caro oh, was a guy. Remember, he was supposed to fight. For, he is he was, forgotten. It, yeah, he, he was supposed forgotten. to fight for a title. He got skipped over. He was supposed to fight Matt Hughes. Got skipped Robbed, over. Not getting a title fight. Never, Robbed. never got back there again. Ended his UFC career on a loss to Dennis Hallman. Got TKO'd by Dennis Hallman in uh, 2010. And he went on and won some fights with Bellator. He knocked out, you know, Phil Baroni. Then again, I think you know, have to have to fight Ross Strait oh. whenever Phil Baroni. M- much, I, much sadder ending. Much sadder end to that story. You know? Oh yeah, it's a, his, all, his the, whole... all the issues with drug addiction and yeah, and, I mean, you know, but that was a guy who was he, like he's a, a very sad story. That was a guy who I I 100% thought this is a guy who could beat Matt Hughes. Like he had, he was so his judo was so good at the time. And I was Dude, like, that man, was the whole thing. Groin, the wrestling versus the muscle. judo. Yeah, and yeah. Then I think he, he just, pulled his groin muscle and he got he got, he lost that fight. Or and something. he never never got close to it again. Never yeah. came close to uh, it again. Sad story. Very sad story. He just didn't go on it. He just didn't go on it. He just didn't go on a huge long losing streak after listening to the Darren Till rant. Damn, you suck. <laughs> Damn well, you! We are I have been uh, on Darren Hill. Darren Hill sucks Hill for a very long time, <laughs> and the only reason I haven't gotten to proclaim victory is because he keeps not fighting. Because as soon as he fights somebody and keeps losing, then everyone will be like, "Yeah, Darren Hill is never very good." Let me let me declare ahead of time: if you were the president of that club, can I be the vice president? Because I've been I've been on that sure hill can. for a pretty long All time. Right, listen, this is not the Darren Till Slam <laughs> podcast. Okay, let's say save it for Dan Usak. Okay, uh, I, I do want to. We one more. We still have one more segment with you guys, so uh, maybe that one can be a little bit quicker. But I do want to throw two more names real quick from the from the oh so close. Well, one of them much closer than the other. Shane Carwin. We don't think of him that way because he didn't fight much after. He literally only fought once after the uh, Brock Lesnar loss, but he almost became the UFC heavyweight champion. I mean, he was he was grounded and pounded. I mean, he was I, an interim I, champion. Wasn't he, he, was champion? An inter- he, he was an interim champion. He, he, I'm sorry, he was an interim champion. Inter- you're right. Yeah. He, that's yeah. legitimate. He was an interim champion, but he almost beat Brock Lesnar. He almost, like, 
he almost just took him out. A guy who was very adverse to being hit, and he hit him hard. If it wasn't was, Brock Lesnar, there's, I think he could have gotten a stoppage. Like, I feel yeah. like he totally. Brock got a lot of an opportunity to stay in that fight just because he's Brock, and the idea of stopping that fight might have created a riot. I don't know. I thought I I've watched that many times. I do think Brock was defending himself intentionally enough the whole well, time. It's I, impossible I to hit him because his arms are eight feet wide. Yes. So when he shells up, you physically can't punch no, his No, he's all he, he's actually like moving he's there's like a brief moment where he's shelling up, but he's actually like moving around and like kicking his feet at uh he actually is defending himself pretty well. But anyway, Shane Carwin so close and then has the JDS fight and that's it. And that's just done. In, again, injuries, age, whatever you want to call it. After but a that's a story that ends well because yeah. he is still working as an engineer, supporting his family, and uh, living his life. Yes, yeah, uh, that's I'll, a good I'll, outcome, I'll all things considered, in this business. And I had to throw. We didn't do. I don't think we mentioned any women's MMA names, did we? I brought Carolina Kovalevich. You brought Carolina Kovalevich. I'm sorry, Cynthia Calvillo. I think that's one. Yeah. Yes. I don't think again. She. I just don't think. I know. She was hyped. I don't know how close she was. She'd be in the Mirsad Bektich, like Brandon Thatch category. The, the woman I wanted to bring up, actually, and again, she's winning fights now, fine. Kat Zingano, I feel like a little bit, a little bit. She was really hyped going to the Ronda Rousey fight. I don't know if people thought she would win. They certainly didn't think she would lose in 14 seconds in one of the shortest title fights in UFC history. Uh, she beat a, She was coming off wins over Amanda Nunes and Misha Tate and couldn't even get, like, when they eventually got the title, couldn't even fight her way back to one of those fights. Like, she finished Amanda Nunes and Misha Tate. And never got another title shot. Uh, and again, not not because of politics or anything. She lost to Juliana Pena, loses to Ketlin Bayetta. Uh, and then, again, soon enough, two fights later, is out of the UFC. It's now she's beating up featherweights uh, in, in Bellator, which is great. Uh, if you guys can name one of them, I would be very impressed without looking at the screen that you're looking which at right is, now. Which uh, is great. <laughs> but I did want to bring up, yeah, uh, uh, some uh, uh, someone who came close, uh, a woman who came close. I'm gonna, to I'm gonna ruin, uh, I'm gonna ruin your flow here. Can I throw? Out, well, I'm sorry, one yeah. more old school Keep name. I just remember this: Heath Herring. Heath Herring was always the third best heavyweight at every promotion he was in. But, he was the third. But no one best ever heavy- thought he would win it. He was like he he was he always had <laughs> great fights with Noguera. Uh-huh. Couldn't get past Noguera. Couldn't yeah. get past Fedor. Got to the UFC, couldn't get past Noguera again. Then he lost to Lesnar. Like, he was always right there. Like, he was always, like, that number three guy. Like, Heath Herring's going to make a run, and then he'd run into Fedor. Heath Herring's going to make a run, and then he'd run to Noguera. Heath Herring's going to make a run. They're like, here's Brock. Like, he was always right there. That one kind of broke me as well because I'm like, he was always one win away from being the guy, and he just couldn't get that one win ever. Like, he could never get past those guys. Highly respected. Definitely a close calls guy. And he once kissed another fighter in the mouth. So I'm a little embarrassed. I didn't mention it, but yeah, he caring wherever, whatever did, you did. Did he kiss the fighter on the mouth? Oh, the guy kissed him. I think he got yeah, it. And then, oh, sorry, and then he got kissed and then punched him. Yeah, yeah, he committed yeah. assault. And then <laughs> let, let's not rewrite that particular bit Some, of the sports. Keith Eric is going to call into this show Some right now. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Keith, I apologize. You were the kiss, not the kisser. You were the assaulter. Not the assaulted. I'm gonna text. Um, I, mean, I still, so someone, I still, someone dispute that he was assaulted. I don't know. Go I ahead, still, te- I still text. I still text with Heath from time to time. I'm gonna text him and copy this episode and let him call in and freak out on you guys. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's please. Not All on right, you guys. guys. <laughs> I defended his position. Listen, this has been a little. So that was a little sad. That was a little. Although we did get to reminisce about some of the good times with some of those fighters. So let's focus on the good time. So, and listen to bring a full circle. Dominic Reyes, your run isn't done yet, sir. Thirty-two your years run young. Is done, buddy. 
Yerevan's not done. No, I'm not saying he could become a champion again, but can he still be out there winning fights? You know, whether in the UFC or Bellator or another promotion, it's still there's still time. Dominic, give, give him a bump down in competition. I guess you know what though. Ryan Span was the bump down in competition. I think that's what hurts. It, it's like it he is. was the he was the bump down. Dominic, Graves, my great and powerful advice to you is: in the history of this sport, the only person I can think of who suffered like a four fight really bad losing streak and came back to any level of prominence is Andre Olovsky, who's done it three times because he's a hero. Uh, however, there is another organization where uh, Amari Akhmedov is going to be fighting for a million dollars. And uh, I thought you were going to say fight circus. <laughs> oh no, well, that would be also great, but that, that comes I... later. I'm just saying that Amari Akhmedov has a real chance against Robert and Robert Wilkinson is the other guy that's fighting for a million dollars. You got to think that you at least have a shot. Are they middleweight? So in that, in that the middleweight, in, 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 that, in that the PFL middleweight though, that's not like heavyweight. That's middleweight. Is that middleweight? Yeah, that's middleweight. Like Medov is middleweight. No, it's the, light heavyweight, buddy. Is it? Yeah. No, because <laughs> like heavy... right now. Is it? Oh my gosh, they got those two at light head. They're both middleweights though. That's uh, what I'm saying, Dom. He uh, is correct. It is the light heavyweight. Oh my god! It is the light heavyweight. Dom, that's crazy. An opportunity, honestly, Dom. If you don't, maybe you don't even want to cut weight. You can go up to heavyweight, and the old PFL heavyweight championship is Ante Delaja versus Mateusz Scheffel. Those two gentlemen are fighting for one million dollars. <laughs> Here's let me just throw out one suggestion real quick before we get on to another subject. Why, like, if they're gonna book one more fight for Dominic Reyes, just go ahead and book. Dominic Reyes against Alexander Gustafson in the saddest light heavyweight oh, fight that's of all time. a great time. matchup. Just book it. Neither lose, one lose of them. Neither, neither one of them have looked like they deserve to have much more of a chance. Put them in against each other. Maybe one of them rejuvenates their career a little bit. Uh, I like both the suggestions, Jed. Listen, the PFL is not the answer for everything. By the way, PFL. <laughs> I kind of think it is. By the way, PFL. November 25th championship uh 49.99 only on ESPN plus pay-per-view so go ahead guys uh get your get your orders in now because you have a uh, chance to pay $50 to watch Matou Shuffle fight on Delaja you can't say no will they will get they your, have a black friday sale <laughs> where it's like 75% off is that possible get your orders in now that's how god what was that one what was that one pay-per-view where that actually happened they were like changing the price of it like up to like three days before the event. I can't remember what it was. Does this promotion like still exist? Black... Probably not. No, I Yama, don't think so. Yama Pit Fighting? There was, a, there was a promotion that did like a Black Friday sale. And then like... Was it Yama, was it Yama Pit Fighting? who would have been at that time frame where it could be. Because like... What org would have been doing something in... Remember when, November, remember when Shine Fights tried to do pay-per-view? Remember that? That was fun. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> God, this sport is a great... All right. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
Okay. Focus on the please. Focus on the podcast. Okay. All right. Listen, Damn I'm sorry. I, career sucks. You guys have been very you guys have been very generous <laughs> through time, but I want to take a little bit more. This can this can be a bit quicker. Guys, let's do some over-unders. Do some quick over-unders. Everybody likes over-unders, right? I only I only got three. Uh, we did not even mention this woman at the beginning of the show, Zhang Weili, uh, destroying Carlos Barza as many predicted, maybe one of the most predictable title fight. Uh, I was going to say upset, but she was favored going in uh, in in, uh, in MMA history. Uh, she she proved the odds makers correct and and probably most of the betters, and is now a, a two time UFC strawweight champion. Now I think we 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 believe Zhang Willie has all the tools to be a champion. The only problem is of course, uh, there is a fighter out there who has two wins over her, but I, I, I think that she would win a Rose rematch. I don't know how you guys feel, but I want you to factor a potential third Rose fight into this over under consecutive title defenses uh, on this run, not total defenses. So we're not counting her. She did defend it once against Joanna in her first run. This is this run consecutive title defenses four and a half. And I picked that number because Ioanni Alcicek holds the record with five straight uh, in the division. So do we think that she will tie at least tie the record or do we think that she will fall short for whatever reasons? Again, whether you think she loses or, you know, chases Valentina, so whatever, whatever. Early retirement. I don't know. Go ahead, guys. Uh, Steven, Steven, do you have any thoughts on this? Do you want to, would you want to go first? Like over a uh, pick over if I think she's going to beat the record? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, tie. Uh, the record is five. So I went four and a half over under. So uh, if you go over, you're saying she will at least tie. She will at least tie Ioana Jacek's consecutive title defense record. Uh, given where the division is at right now, um, given where I think Rose is at in her career right now, I think she's got a good shot at 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 getting there. Um, I just think that the talent pipeline for 115 has a lot of fighters who are kind of closer to the end of their career than the beginning of their career. Um, I think there are some exceptions here and there. Um, Jessica Andrade being one of them, that fight never really got started before it was over. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would actually, I think she's got a good shot. I'm going to say over. You're going to go over. Okay. I'm also, I'm kind of with you on this one. Damon, what do you, how are you feeling? Under, um, just too oh. much, too much unpredictability with this division. Um, you know, I think, you know, if she does get the rematch with Jessica Andrade, I think that could easily go the other way. I think Amanda Lemos has the kind of power that could potentially hurt and, you know, catch, Zhang Weili off guard, just like she got caught off guard by the Rose Nami Yunus fight the first time around. Rose is still out there. Rose just had the all-time stinker of fights, but she's still at her best, a really, really good mixed martial artist, and I think there's a chance she could go out there and, and avenge that loss, and considering she already has two wins over, she knows how to do it, um, and she might have a little bit of that boogeyman factor with, with Zhang Weili, so uh, no, I, I go under. I, I actually thought you put the number like two, and then I might be debating, but at four and a half, I, don't, I just don't see it happening. I just There's just wow. too many unknowns and and there is a fighter out there who has two wins over her and it's not like rose has passed her prime um she had a god-awful fight with carlos barza but that doesn't mean she wouldn't win a third fight with Zhang Weili. so i go under it's funny so 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 far we all seem to think the record is safe uh yoana's right that's a pretty incredible five straight that was a hell of a run right that that is a that is one that i think is standing the test of time and obviously why yoana is still considered the uh for now the the 115 pound goat uh jed where are you landing in this over under four and a half 
under i feel under. pretty decent with it um, I'm, I'm keeping track of these by the way guys i am keeping track of these for the future okay so i i agree for time's sake i'll say i largely disagree with what damon said uh if you were to tell me that she was like her next two fights or whatever will be jessica Andrade and rose and she wins them both then i would take over very comfortably uh in fact if she wins those two i would then say after that she probably puts together like four more wins on top of those two because the rest of this weight class there is limosh is kind of old like and that's it like amanda limosh is 35 and i just don't think that that's like a i don't really see her as a realistic like I want to believe in Mackenzie Dern, but she doesn't believe in herself and refuses to hurt people. So she's never going to be good at fighting until she learns to hurt people. Uh, well, that's Terrible. it. Like that's her problem. If Terrible. she knew how to ground and pound people instead of trying to tap them, she would have blown the doors off her last fight. Like it's, it just is where she is. Like I, and there isn't this influx of young talent in this weight class. Like you see up at flyweight where Aaron Blanchfield's there, Alexa Grasso, um, couple other people i can't think of off the top of my head right now but 125 has got a a crop of young people miranda maverick coming up that are like okay they're not going to beat valentina now but give them a couple of years and maybe that maybe valentina loses a step a bunch of young people the top 15 in this division is still holding on to like tisha torres who can never beat Riley zhang if her life depended on it so <laughs> my issue is largely that she has to she will probably fight rose I think that fight's competitive, but I think I'd still pick Rose in the three match. And Jessica Andrade, I maybe favor Wiley, but I also, Jessica Andrade is a terrifying human being. And it, I can't feel confident in picking anyone to beat that woman if it's fight. So I, I got to go under four and a half. Okay. So we're about split there. Steven and I going over, Damon and Jed going under. That's fair. That's fair. And we'll talk a little bit more about the flyweight division in a second. But first, let's go back to the man who started the show, Mr. Alex Pereira. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to couch this. Okay, so most of us assume if, if, if uh, and Adesanya has said he wants it, and if the scheduling works out for everyone, they're just going to do an immediate rematch. It makes sense given how close the fight was, uh, their history, now, I mean, even more elaborate history now, and uh, the run that that Adesanya had at the top. I mean, he deserves to get an immediate rematch. He was, he was dominant. Um, so my question supposes that Let's say he. Let's just say that a Disney rematch happens, and he, he, he beats Izzy. This is really an over. This isn't really an over under. This is really just like, can he beat anyone else? But I set the number <laughs> counting in a Disney title defense. Let's say he beats Izzy again. Uh one and a half, one and a half. So really, I'm asking, do you think he beats anyone else? <laughs> Jed, over, baby. Jed, Jed, you can over, over, over. I'm taking. I'm taking over one and a half, even without knowing the Izzy thing. Like. I'm going to favor him to beat Izzy in, in a fourth fight or a second MMA fight because for the same reasons that I thought he could win this fight. I Izzy can say whatever he wants, and he's a professional fighter and one of the greatest of all time, and I'm just some asshole with the microphone. So maybe he's right and I'm wrong. You can't fight this dude and allow him to fight for 25 minutes. You just can't. Like it That is too dangerous a way to go about it, and it's not play, it is not playing it safe to not throw yourself to not accept risk and try and finish him because he had that dude hurt at the end of the first round instead of putting the pedal down trying to bury him and then not having to fight him for 15 more minutes he let him get back in the fight and that's i had this same issue during the peak of gsp's run and gsp managed to pull it off but carlos Conor almost kicked his head off because if you let people hang for 25 minutes it's a lot of time for really dangerous people alex pajeta is 
boop goes the fists and you go to sleep and I'm pick him again until <laughs> Izzy gets killed until Izzy says F it. I may get knocked out by coming forward, but he and I are going to throw right here right now. And it ain't going to be 25. Chuck him and see who falls first in the next five to 10 minutes. And if Izzy does that, he can win that fight. I just don't think he will. I think he's going to continue to do the thing that allows Pajeda to work. So I'm going to take him in the rematch. I know that everybody and their mother is on Robert Whitaker Island right now saying that dude will beat him. I'm going to go the other way. I don't think so. I think all, the only real reason that Izzy was able to have success, and maybe it's not the only one, but I think a large reason that Izzy can score takedowns is because he can compete with Beheader on the feet because that he had to take him seriously on the feet. And so it wasn't, it wasn't just full sprawl and brawl from Pajeda. You give Pajeda another six months, another year, and knowing that, sure, maybe Whitaker can try some karate nonsense on him, but at the end of the day, man's going to be diving on the hips. I think he can smash it, and I think that he he can he can stuff the takedowns, beat, beat Whitaker. I think the worst matchup for him is Marvin Vittori, and he's just never going to fight Marvin Vittori, and that's great. So I don't have to worry about that one because he's never going to fight him. <laughs> he is going to win two fights. He's going to beat Izzy. He's going to beat Whitaker. And by oh. that time, Andre Muniz will finally be in the title picture, and that's the man who takes the belt from him. I'm calling it now. I expect all the Otno points, AK, when this comes to fruition. All right. Listen, hold on. Fantastic. First of all, fantastic. I'm with you that he beats Whitaker. I'm just, you know, I'm not sure that Whitaker is the one that's good, would get the title fight next after uh, Adesanya, but I don't want to step on the answers of our, as of our colleagues here. So I'll go to Steven next uh, one and a half Steven title defenses. And this is, I mean, I said, assuming the Izzy win is in the bag. Jed kind of already explained why he thinks that's, that's the case. So uh, really does he, can he beat anyone else is, is the real question. What's a, that's a half title defense. <laughs> that's my first. No, <laughs> it's just one and a half. It just means you can't. You have to pick one or two. It means you can't say there's one, no there's no waffling. It okay. just means there's no waffling. Gotta be, it's the over. It's the over oh. under. Yeah. There's no there's no waffling. Okay. Uh, I will go over because I think that he can beat. Uh, I agree with Jed that if he's doing what he need, if Izzy's doing what he needs to be doing, he wins that fight. Every time he he took a step forward, did this little shuffle step forward, and uncorked the straight right, he cracked, cracked Pajera. And, uh, but it, it, you know this is just uh, these things are easier said than done. And the long like like he said, the longer that goes, the the worse it is. So I think, and also I just tend to favor uh, in immediate rematches, I, t I tend to favor the guy who won the first time. That's just something that, that I do. What about the guy who won the first three times? How do you feel about <laughs> you feel stronger? I, would, yeah, I feel, stronger. I feel slightly stronger. Uh, so yes, um, I'm going to say over, uh, I think the, the thing, the thing about his inexperience is that it's not necessarily a hindrance. You know, he Ooh. can, he can get with the best people, and he can train um, and evolve uh, and benefit from the champion's title defense schedule, which is less severe than uh, the up-and-comers. And he can be ready for some of these, these guys who, again, are kind of closer to the end of their careers than their, than their beginning. 
I think that's where things get really interesting because I do think there are some there are some fighters like Vittori, like even Canadier to a certain extent, mm-hmm. who would give him a lot of problems. But can they beat him? Given his gifts, his power, his powerful gift, I'm willing to take the wager that they don't. Okay. All right. So we got two pretty clear overs. Uh, Damon, are you are you, you going to make a clean sweep for the overs? I'm going over as well. Um, I think he is Adesanya's boogeyman, so I think that is a win. I think that will be a win again. And then I'm with Jed 100% on the Robert Whitaker thing. Robert Whitaker is yet to beat the best middleweight. You know, outside of when he became champion, he's yet to beat the best middleweight in his division. He lost twice to Yoel Romero, and he lost uh, twice to Israel Adesanya. Now, I know technically he has wins over Yoel Romero, but he lost both of those fights. Um, And I like Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker is going to beat Marvin Vittori. He's going to beat Paulo Costa. He's going to beat uh, Derek Brunson. He's going to beat uh, Jared Cannonier. But I don't think he's going to beat a six foot two, three hundred pound, whatever the hell Alex <laughs> Pereira actually weighs in. Yeah, give you know, that take, kind yeah, of reach, that kind take. of reach and strength, he's just not going to beat him. Just like he didn't beat Israel. He had a great second performance against Israel. Still lost ultimately, you know, in a pretty lopsided fashion. Um, and I don't think things are going to go much better for him against against Pereira. Um, the one caveat I would throw in this, the one that's scary is if the UFC decides, you know what, we need, we need another star and a prayer is not going to be that guy. And they're like, here, here's Hamzat. Then I might rethink this whole over thing because if, if he you. gets, if he gets Hamzat after Adesanya, that might be the end of prayers reign real quick. But I'm betting on the fact the UFC seems confidently trying to book Colby Covington against Hamza, which means they're going to keep him at welterweight for at least a little bit longer. Because if he beats Colby, he's getting a title shot at welterweight, uh, and that will delay his eventual move to middleweight. So I'm betting on the odds of Hamza not going to middleweight right away. If that happens right away, all bets are off. But for now, I think he beats Adesanya. I think he beats Whitaker. Um, they're never going to give Marvin Vittori another title shot. Let's be honest about that. They're never giving Jared Cannonier another title shot. Let's be honest about that. Uh, Muniz, I agree, would be kind of like the other kryptonite there, but uh, yeah. So I'm going over. Okay, so most of us are. I, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I'll just be different. I'm just going to say under, but also because I, I have this weird feeling for whatever reason, Whitaker is not going to be the would not be the immediate next hell defense uh, after a distant. I mean, he probably should be if he beats Vittori, but just I don't know. I, I sense some weirdness and. I like that you mentioned Hamzat. You're, you're right. He's probably more, they're angling him more towards welterweight, but I could still see that middleweight fight happening somehow. So, you know, someone drops out late notice, something like that. Um, so I'm just not optimistic that, that Pereira can, even if he beats Izzy again, can get another title defense. Um, yeah. Muniz is not close yet. I think we all agree. He would, we'd all pick him to beat it. He's just kind of one away. He's one away. Uh, last one, guys, this is kind of quick. Uh, Blanchfield, Aaron Blanchfield. How many wins before, she gets a title shot, and this could be at Valentina for the Undisputed. This could be vacant. This could be some sort of interim title situation. How many wins before uh, she has? She ends up getting a shot at some form of UFC gold? I said it at uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Uh, Jed, would you like to start us off? Oh no, Damon. You know, Damon, start us off this time. I'm sorry. Whew, this is scary because in hmm. my head, I didn't say, and I don't say win. By the way, just that she's going to fight for a title. So it could be Valentina. It could be Valentina. If you even if you I'm think gonna she say. I'm going to say over because I think from talking to Aaron Blanchfield as much as I have and knowing her manager, I don't think they're going to rush her into this. She called out Andrea Lee after beating Molly McCann. That's a smart call out. Andrea Lee's number nine, number 10. That's a very winnable fight for her. She's not calling out, you know, Caitlin Chukagan yet. She's not calling out Lauren Murphy yet. She's not calling out 
uh, Mano Fior. She's not calling out the top three or four fighters in that division yet. Andrea Lee is a good next step. And if that's one, you know, she's taken baby steps, and I appreciate that. Both her and Casey O'Neill, who's another name we haven't mentioned yet, another really good flyweight prospect, um, both of them have said, I'm a couple years away from challenging Valentina. And I appreciate that they're honest about that, uh, whether it's just their own readiness or just hoping that maybe Valentina loses a step, whatever the case may be. Um, but they're not calling out Tyler Santos. They're not calling out Lauren Murphy. They're not calling out the top fighters of the division just yet. So I'm going to go over because I think Aaron is smart enough to know slow and steady wins the race, not running into a brick wall named Valentina Shevchenko in two more fights, because as good as Aaron Blanchfield is, she's not beating Valentina right now. Damon predicting responsible management and career planning, uh, taking the over there. Uh, Jed, go ahead. What do you think? Two and a half. How many, how many more, how close is she to any sort of title shot? Over. I, I think over for sure. Um, not that she necessarily needs it. Uh, I mean, maybe everyone kind of needs it just because it is Valentina. And I would not pick Aaron to beat Valentina within the next year, which is what you're talking about if you're taking an under. But yeah, I, I think she is going to take some time and just because, you know, whoever she calls, she called out somebody. Who'd she call it's out? Andrew Lee. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Lee. Andrew Lee. That's, Andrew right. Lee. That's right. Andrew Lee, who, you know, is a top 10 or 15, something like that. She's just going to move up and kill a bunch of people until she gets there. Uh, and I mean, honestly, the best course of action for her would just be to take all the time in the world until Valentina inevitably abandons the belt to move up, uh, to pursue a second. And then you don't have to fight, fight Valentina at all. And then you just get to be the champion. Cause if she fights anybody that's not Valentina for the belt, she's going to win. Uh, she's that damn good. Uh, so o- over two and a half for sure. Very confident over for, for Jed, uh, Steven. And then Ethan's getting a title shot, necessarily not necessarily winning a title. I'm gonna I'm gonna say over. Here, here's oh. the one um, possible counter argument to that. When we see her fight somebody like Molly McCann, who's popular but not anywhere near her skill set in her specialty, she her stock takes a big jump. Um, Andrea Lee. Um, I'm not sure she's as, she's I don't think she's as popular <laughs> by a long shot um as Molly McCann. Um, but it's another matchup where I think she's gonna look really good because Andrea Lee's skill set in her specialty is nowhere near hers. When you get higher up in the division, she's gonna struggle a little bit more, and that's why um you know, if she does take that route, if she does go over, she's going to run into some problems. Um, I, I also just think for Valentina, there's a couple, there's at least two or three options for her before um, she ends up fighting somebody like Aaron. There's 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 two or three fights that she could have before that. So I, I don't know. I, I think that over is the most likely course of action. But in this sport, if you have performance, performances that make you look good you can jump the line if the timing is right if they're you know like valentina gets injured or whatever um i could i could also see it happening under but i'm gonna say more more than likely not over i'm gonna be different again i'll take the under guys i i think uh, either she becomes a victim of her own success and just crushes her next two opponents gives you see no choice but to but to throw her into a, a valentina fight mainly because valentina you know if she wants to stay busy at 125 and just needs a needs a a mandatory challenger as it were or 
we finally see Valentina go up for that third fight with Pena and then, you know, take some time off. Maybe she, you know, maybe she beats Pena and wins the title and, you know, can't defend you mean Nunes? both. And... You mean Nunes? Uh, what did I say? Pena. Pena. How many times did I say it? Multiple times. Like three times. Yeah. So you know, guys, it's been a long show. Let's, uh, let's wrap it here. That's uh, that. <laughs> When you're when you're confusing when you're when you're still calling uh, Juliana Pena the UFC uh, women's bantamweight champion, you know maybe it's about time to uh, sign up. But uh, looking ahead, guys, I just want to say thank you guys for those fantastic over unders. We will we will keep a record of this, uh, and hopefully I've, some of these guys have to wait a while. Zhang, we're gonna have to revisit. I don't know, maybe a couple of years from now or not, depending what happens with the if a third Rose fight happens and uh, and Rose beats her again. Um, but yeah, looking ahead, we we're gonna have a ton of movement at light heavyweight. Uh, possibly as early as this Friday, guys, as we have Bellator 288, the rematch, finally, Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkov. Uh, some people said Corey was going to win the first fight anyway, and, you know, it, it was lucky for uh, Nemkov got lucky with the no contest. Um, but now, fingers crossed, we will just get a, a definitive end to, uh, to this little two-fight rivalry. And we'll see if Corey Anderson can move up in the rankings at all. He's number three behind Prohachka and Glover Teixeira. Uh, and then, of course, uh, for Hotchka and Teixeira themselves, rematching UFC 282 on December 10th, and also on that card, Jan Blahovic and Magomed Ankalaev, also two guys in the top 10. Uh, again, UFC 282. And Bantamweight, we could see some action. Bantamweight division, we got the Grand... Is there a Grand Prix? No, is this still a Grand Prix? Yes. No? Still is a Grand Prix, baby. It's a Grand Prix. For Bellator, yeah. Still Rofe a Grand Prix. And, Rofe and Stotts and Danny Sapatello, uh, Bellator 289 on that same card. Number 11, Patchy Mix, and Magomed, Magomedov. So uh, there hasn't been a lot to say. Oh, well, no. We had pre- we had uh, Sean O'Malley last time. Anyway, uh, that's what to look look forward to, guys. Also, UFC Orlando, a lot of ranked fighters on there. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Taito Ivasa, Rafael Desanos, uh, Angela Hill. So sneaky, kind of a sneaky... More uh, ranked if, fighters on that than 282. <laughs> uh, correct. If we're just talking about, yeah, it just, just amount. Yes. Uh, UFC Orlando on December 3rd actually has more. So anyway, thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Damon Martin. Thank you, Stephen Morocco. Thank you, Jed Mishu, for joining me on this show. Thank you, everyone who is uh, listening, who has sat through this very, very, very long podcast. Uh, but listen, it was an event. It was a crazy month. It was a <laughs> that card. I should say month cycle. That card, I'm still reeling. I'm still reeling. Alex Beta is the UFC middleweight champion, is number one at middleweight, is a top 10 pound for pound fighter in MMA fighting's rankings. That's right. That's right, guys. You did not dream it. So uh thank you everyone. Next month, Shaheen Al Shadi should be back joining me as a host. But uh for now, I bid all of you adieu and uh keep on ranking. Is that a good catchphrase, guys? That's a good catchphrase for the show. No, it's not a good catchphrase. Keep Keep on on ranking. ranking. Keep on ranking. Keep on ranking, guys. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.